0: Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Monday, it's going to be a busy week here for Pelicans fans and for Locked On Pelicans. We've got the draft in the rear view mirror. We're looking Forward this afternoon essentially to the start of NBA free agency. So, we're going to go over a lot in today's show. First and foremost, how's free agency going to work for the Pelicans? How's it kind of work in general? We've got a bit of a quick primer on what over the cap means, under the cap, restricted free agents, qualifying offers. What are they doing, Lonzo, Josh Hart, all of that stuff. We've got a lot of new listeners. I want to get you set for a little bit to what to expect and understand what's likely going to go down over the next couple of days. Then, what's plan A for the Pelicans? in free agency? Is it Kyle Lowry? Is it Chris Paul? What if Plan A doesn't work out? I think we're on to three now. Uh, What if plan A doesn't work out? Who are they going to go after? Is a sign-in trade in the works then? Or are they just going to bring Lonzo Ball back? And then in segment three, what are some of those other free agents that they're going to look at? What are guys that they could add during free agency to help get this team back into the playoffs? So we've got a lot to cover, and it's going to be a busy week. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube as well. Um, There's going to be a lot going on with the Pelicans, and we're going to be covering it all here ...daily on Locked On Pelicans. So, first things first. A couple notes from uh, news items you might have seen over the weekend. The Pelicans extended qualifying offers to Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart. All this basically means is it makes them restricted free agents. You don't need to worry about that offer. They're not going to accept that sort of thing. They're restricted free agents. Meaning the Pelicans can match any contract that a team tries to sign them to... ...and they got to come back to New Orleans. Similar to what happened a couple of years ago with Eric Gordon. They may not do that, but by making them restricted free agents, they have the flexibility to bring them back. They have the flexibility to operate as an over-the-cap team and still bring them back. They can use them in a sign-and-trade at that point, too. And for a sign-and-trade, those players have to want to go to that team that they're being signed and traded to. And that team can't have the cap space, really, to just sign them outright. So we'll get into a a little bit more of that, particularly with Lonzo Ball coming up here in a moment on Locked On Pelicans. They also declined Didi Luzada's option. This is all part of the plan. They're going to bring him back. He's probably going to be at the veteran minimum for what his like year is and all of that. But this is just about maintaining maximum flexibility for the team. Okay, then out of the way. Now what? So NBA teams in free agency operate one of two ways. They either operate as over the cap or they operate as Under the cap, and there's two real big differences there. Let's start with under the cap. The Pelicans could do this. They could also go either way, and you can kind of switch between the two. If you operate under the cap, you use your salary cap space to sign players. If the Pelicans kind of clear their books of guys they don't need to have on the roster, including guys like Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart, essentially being like, now we're not even worried about you as restricted free agents anymore. It's called renouncing their cap holds. You can get about thirty-six million dollars to spend. They'd be operating as an under-the-cap team. They spend that thirty-six million dollars. They have one exception called the the room exception, five point something million dollars, and that's what they have to spend. They can divvy that up kind of however they want. If it's thirty-six million on one guy, or if it's like three guys at twelve million each, they can do it. They have the cap space. For that. It's not necessarily the best way for New Orleans to operate, though, because you have to completely get rid of Lonzo Ball to do that. So, another way that teams operate is an over the cap team. Over the cap teams rely on exceptions, they're over the soft cap. There's an amount of money that you can go up to. You can only go over that amount using exceptions. Oftentimes, those exceptions are in place for you to re-sign your own players. That's something called bird rights that you may hear thrown out there on Twitter and in other places. It basically means to re-sign your own guys, you can go over the salary cap, the soft cap. There's also the other mid-level exceptions you might hear get thrown around. There's the, the... Standard mid-level exception where you can sign a guy up to a certain amount of money using that to go over the salary cap. So even if you're an over-the-cap team every year, you have access to that. There's also something called the taxpayer mid-level exception. If you're a luxury tax team, you can then use a smaller mid-level exception. And then there's a biannual exception and other things like that. We don't need to get it too into the weeds on all of that because I don't think those are really going to come into play right now. Right now, those are the two options, over-the-cap team or over under the cap team. And that's kind of the way it works. If you're an over the cap team, and this will come into play potentially for New Orleans, salary is really important when making trades. If you're an over-the-cap team and you send out a $10 million contract, you basically need to be bringing back $10 million in salary. You can't just ship out money to ship out money. And you can't also just bring back money in just to bring back money in. They try and do this to kind of keep a level playing field. So if you're an over-the-cap team, you can't just trade a first-round pick for a guy making $10 million and put him on your team. You need to send out $10 $10 million, more or less. There's a there's a few things there, but we don't again don't need to get into some of like the deep specifics when it comes to that sort of thing. That's gonna be important in sign and trade scenarios, whether it's Kyle Lowry, whether it's with Lonzo Ball, whether it's with someone else, salary matching is going to be a really, really important thing when it comes to some of these deals. So if the Pelicans operate as over the cap, salary matching is going to be important. One of the few times you make a trade without having to bring salary back is if a team has cap space. Say the Pelicans have $36 million in cap space and a team's like, I I don't like this player. He has a bad contract. Will you, will you just kind of take it? This is what the Oklahoma City Thunder do. They use their cap space to take on bad contracts from other teams and make those teams attach a first-round pick basically for, you know, it's like the fee, right, for paying that guy's salary and taking them off of their books. At that point, Oklahoma City doesn't need to send out salary because they can just absorb that money in. But for two over-the-cap teams trying to make a trade, you kind of need to do it that way. So all of that out of the way, because that's going to frame some of this stuff, right? What's plan A? for the Pelicans. What are they trying to do this off season? Let's get into that coming up next in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. But before we get to that, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there? They're essentially candy bars that happen to just be really, really good for you that are protein bars but tastes like a candy bar and they have so many delicious flavors, There's something for everyone. They have coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate cake. Those are just the normal flavors they have in stock. Plus they have limited edition flavors like raspberry cheesecake, birthday cake. They've got the grasshopper cookie which is basically thin mint flavored. Um, I've had churro puff bars that are delicious and if you can ever get the coconut brownie chunk, that's the one to buy. That's the best tasting flavor easily. I think. But of the normal ones, I love the mint brownie. And if you haven't tried them all, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine different flavors. And they're healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories between 130 and 180, so you're not wasting all the cardio that you just did. Only four to five grams sugar, only four to five grams net carbs. They're all amazing. They're all delicious. They're all healthy for you. And it's the official protein bar of the US track and field team. So go to built.com, use promo code lock 15 and you're going to get 15% off your your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCK15 for 15% off over at built.com. Okay. So we just ran over like, like a rundown of kind of some of the salary cap minutia of how the off season for teams goes. I don't care as much about that right now. You want to know who they may sign and like what's on the table. And then you're going to want me to break that down once those things happen. Right? So we don't need to get too into the weeds when it comes to all of that stuff. So What's plan A for the Pelicans? Well, when you've looked at their moves this offseason, it really, really seems like there's kind of a 1A and then maybe like a stretch 1A that they might try and go after. What, you know... Plan A seems to be Kyle Lowry. It seems to be, and we have got a, I've got a show on this, right? There's an episode, you can find it on YouTube, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts, breaking down why they're going after Kyle Lowry and why this is someone they might really want to try and add to this team. They want that kind of veteran established point guard that's been there before that can add things like toughness and... I don't, I don't know, like stability, a little bit of grit, right? Some clutchness, Lowry's done that a lot. Just kind of that like steady hand, I think, they want to try and add to this team. Kyle Lowry fits the bill. Yes, it, it's risky. It's very risky, and I go back and forth on if I think they should pull the trigger on a move like this. Let's say they can get him. Say that Kyle Lowry wants to come to New Orleans. Does it mean they should? It's a valid question, right? This is a guy who's a little bit older. He's a guy that's declined a little bit. And you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. Of that $36 million in cap space, you might need to use most or and or all of that to try and bring him in. He's 35 years old right now. He'll be 36 when next season starts. If you sign him to a two-year deal, you're looking at him playing until he's 38. If you sign him to a three-year deal, he'll be 39 at that point. His numbers... Dipped a little bit last season from the year before. It was COVID, but you know what? The year before that, he averaged over 19 points per game. Alongside 7.5 assists and 5 boards. Last year, it dipped 17.2 points per game. 7 assists, 7.3 assists and 5.4 rebounds. But he's an excellent 3-point shooter. Last year, he shot 40% from 3 on 7.2 attempts per game. Those are really, really, really good numbers. He's a career 37% shooter from deep. Last year was COVID. They were playing out of in Florida and Tampa the whole year. It's not a great situation for anyone. So I don't, I'm not necessarily surprised that he struggled a little bit. I think he's their top option. I think if it doesn't work out with him, they might try and make a run at Chris Paul. I just don't really, and I know everyone would love that, right? We saw Chris Paul's game age really well. And I think Larry's could age like his, you hope it would age like that. And I think it's more likely to age like that than versus say a guy like Kemba Walker, whose game really started to decline and just wasn't there um, for the Boston Celtics the past year. But it's a risk given his age. But say it doesn't work out with Larry. They might make a run at Chris Paul who's got a big player option, 40 plus million dollars. Is he going to opt in? If he doesn't, is he going to just Im- immediately re-sign with the Phoenix Suns and are they going to do everything they can to keep him there? It seems like it, right? Like they made the NBA Finals. They were two wins away. They got two games off the Bucks in there. It went to 6. That's really really good. Would he potentially come back? Could New Orleans kind of, you know, uh, be an appealing enough decision? Maybe. I'm not entirely sure, but I'd be willing to bet they would love, love, love to have him here. I just think it's it's really not going to go that direction too much. And so I don't really feel like that's going to be a legitimate option for him. So I think it's kind of Kyle Lowry or bust for plan A. Seems to make sense. But there's a number of other people that want Kyle Lowry. The Miami Heat would like him. They're kind of setting up and positioning themselves for a signing trade for Kyle Lowry. I think, you know, maybe a team like the Knicks could make a run after him if they think they're really close and they have the cap space to do so. The Bulls need a point guard. And frankly, you're going to see a whole lot of musical chairs when it comes to point guards in this offseason. A lot of teams are going to kind of be shifting them all around. Everyone's move one to the left or something like that. And frankly, there's probably enough seats where it's not like musical chairs where someone's going to be left out. Lowry's probably the first real domino to fall. So let's say he goes to another team and the Pelicans don't end up getting him. What happens then? And that's where things start to get really interesting. They might do do a number of different things. They might look at a guy like Malcolm Brogdon. This is where a sign and trade for Lonzo Ball would likely come into play. Signing Lonzo Ball, trading him to the Indiana Pacers, assuming they want him and that he would want to go there. And then you get Malcolm Brogdon in return. It more or less could easily just work out that way. You know, could they look at a side in trade with the Boston Celtics? Sending Lonzo Ball to Boston where maybe he'd want to play and certainly they would love to have him. But what about maybe getting Marcus Smart in return? Smart being that bulldog defender who's not a bad three-point shooter. adds a lot of those intangibles the team could need. But he's an expiring deal. You would need to then... Resign him next season or potentially he might walk for nothing he'd be an unrestricted free agent or you've got to maybe overpay him to keep him here in New Orleans it's not an ideal situation to be in and that's the only return you get on someone like Lonzo Ball maybe a pick but they don't really have that many options out there so I think it could be a little bit limited or maybe just New Orleans wouldn't like the return from the Boston Celtics if that's what it is and Boston Celtics need this to be a sign and trade because they're over the cap they don't have cap space to sign him what about With like a team with the Chicago Bulls, maybe you send him there, you get someone in return like Lowry Markin in a double signing trade. We'll see. I think another option that they could go after is a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm I'm less thrilled about this move than it would be, but it's a guy that's going to kind of be in their range, I think, and it's someone that you could potentially also keep Lonzo Ball and Sign Spencer Dinwiddie, adding like another ball handler, and he's kind of a combo guard out there on the wing. He was injured for the majority of last season. He's dealt with a lot of injuries before in his career, but when he's played and been healthy, he's been good. Two years ago now, he averaged 20.6 points for the Brooklyn Nets alongside 6.8 assists and and 3.5 rebounds. So good kind of lead guard numbers, but the problem is he's not a shooter. He's a career 32% shooter from Three in the three games he played last year. Let's not even look at those numbers. The year before that, that year he averaged 20.6, just 31% from three. I, I don't love a situation like that. I like a guy like Malcolm Brogdon more, who's more of a lead guard that you trust. Last season, Brogdon averaged 21.2 points, six assists, 5.3 rebounds, shot 39% from three. He's a career 37% shooter from three on four attempts per game. Last season he shot 39% on almost seven attempts per game. I think that kind of fits a little bit more. He can get downhill. He's aggressive. He makes up for what they they don't get in Lonzo Ball and why they're looking to potentially move on from him. Plus, you get the three-point shooting. He's got playoff experience. Again, he's a lead guard. That's, I think, what they're looking for, whereas Lonzo Ball isn't quite that kind of player. We don't need to, like, nitpick his game to death. We've done this enough already. So that's, I think, kind of option two for him. If if plan A doesn't work in a guy like Lowry or Chris Paul, and look, I'm more or less ruling out Chris Paul, so it's really Lowry for plan A. If it doesn't work out, Brogdon, Dinwiddie, something like that, maybe a sign and trade with the Celtics for Marcus Smart. But say... None of that necessarily materializes, or they want to try and bring back Lonzo Ball because they can't get a sign-and-trade done for Brogdon. They don't like the return for Marcus Smart, and maybe they're scared off by Spencer Dinwiddie's asking price and the injury history. So I think bringing back Lonzo Ball might be option three for the team, option C, I should say. But that means you can also do some other things and you still have money to spend in free agency, particularly if you resign yourself to Josh Hart not coming back. So let's look at what that could be and some of those other names they might be looking at in the next segment of today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So before we get to that, today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Yeah, the NBA season's over. We're in the offseason, but you can still bet on the league. If you're feeling good about player prop bets, they've got them. How many rebounds per game is a guy like Evan Mobley, the third overall pick to the Cleveland Cavaliers, going to average? What about a guy like Trey Murphy, the third? And we'll talk more about him later in the week and weeks after his free agency starts to kind of, it's going to really hit quick and fast and then it's going to quiet up Um, and I want to dive more into his game and what he'll bring to the team next year this year it was just really free agency then uh, sorry the draft then free agency one after the other Uh, but you can bet on all of these players and all of their prop bets so if you feel good about a player Go make some money off of that. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to use that sports knowledge. So head to the website using your mobile device to sign up today and receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code Locked On. It's like you've already won some money right there, and all you did was sign up over at BetOnline.ag using promo code Locked On. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So we just went over the options for the Pelicans. A B, a being Larry, B being um, a sign and trade or trying to maybe move Lonzo Ball, bring someone else back that they really feel good about. C, what happens when you know A or B doesn't work out and they're looking at something else and maybe that is bringing Lonzo Ball back? I don't hate his game, right? This is a guy that's improved every single year he's been in the league and on paper, he looks like a good three-point shooter. He's a little bit too boom or bust at times, all or nothing, a little bit too streaky for some of my liking and I think to rely on at times. But man, the guy can hit seven or eight threes a game. There's not a ton of players who can regularly do that. So say they bring him back On a a team ish friendly deal, somewhere around the likes of like 18 million, 20 million. I think that's what you're looking at when it comes to him. Well, who are some other names they might look to pair alongside him to at least add a little bit more to this team? I think the first name that they're going to look at, but it's not really going to go anywhere, is Duncan Robinson. He's a restricted free agent from the Miami Heat. So whatever you offer him, the Miami Heat can just match. And they can just immediately bring him back. Meaning that if you want to bring him in, you've got to give him so much money that it makes the Heat think twice about this. I wouldn't feel good about a situation like that where you're overpaying a guy. But he's an excellent, excellent three-point shooter. For his career, it's three seasons. It's really like two seasons. Last year and the year before the bubble season, he averages... Uh, He's got a career three-point percentage of 42.3% on eight attempts per game. Last season, he averaged 13.1 points per game. He can give you some rebounds, too. He can move the ball well enough that he's not a black hole. You know, I like him as a player. I just don't want to have to give him $24 million, $22 million. That's, I think, a little bit too much for him. And that's probably what it's going to take to pry him away. But you want a court spacer that even if he doesn't ever make a three, in New Orleans teams need to try and account for, that's a guy that doesn't. But because he's a restricted free agent, I think Miami's going to match and you're just not going to want to overpay a fairly somewhat, I should say, somewhat one-dimensional guy. And that's kind of what he is. There's another one-dimensional player that I think a lot of people have thrown out there that I'd be kind of nervous about giving 15 plus million dollars to, and that's Doug McDermott. Yes, he's a very good three-point shooter. For his career in the NBA, he shoots 40.7%, 41% on medium volume. The past two seasons in Indiana, he's taken over four threes per game. That's jumped up from like the three that he was taking before. So it's not insane volume. He's a role player that comes off the bench to give you some three-point shooting. That's like literally all he really does. There's no defense from him whatsoever. And one thing you kind of learn from the playoffs this past year is... If you're just a three guy with no D or no rebounding or no creation, you, you can't play. You saw a guy like Luke Kennard not get any minutes in the in, in the playoffs, even in key situations, because he just couldn't give them anything other than three-point shooting. Same thing for Bryn Forbes, right, with the Milwaukee Bucks. Wasn't really getting minutes at times because he gave you nothing else other than three-point shooting. And in these high-stakes games, you need that. Doug McDermott's one-dimensional. $10 million? Sure. 15, uh, I get kind of nervous about what he'd give you and what he'd, if he could be played off of the court, if that was the case. I'd be kind of iffy on him. That leads me to two more options that I think could do really well, particularly if paired with a guy like Lonzo Ball. The first one is Tim Hardaway Jr. The Dallas Mavericks are going to make a big run at a guy like Kyle Lowry, maybe Kawhi Leonard, and you have to figure that Tim Hardaway Jr. is just not their priority, and you're seeing a lot of it being reported as such. If he's not, could the Pelicans make a run at him and try and snap him up because he's had... A couple of really good years in Dallas recently, the past two seasons now in Dallas, in three seasons in Dallas because he was traded in the Kristaps Porzingis deal. He's averaging 16.1 points per game from three. He's shooting 37 percent on seven attempts per game. He's an excellent three-point shooter. He shot 39% last season. The year before, he shot 40%, all on over seven attempts per game. He's not afraid to pull that trigger whatsoever. But he also has a a lack of aggression, kind of a similar issue to what Lonzo Ball gives you. He doesn't like to get downhill. He doesn't really try and score at the rim. He's not a great finisher either. And you could say he's maybe a worse finisher at the rim than Lonzo Ball is, though I disagree with that. I've seen some people try and make that argument. They're not horrible horribly horribly wrong but he barely drives more than Lonzo Ball does so he's purely on the perimeter he's an elite catch and shoot guy an elite perimeter guy and he can create his shot with the ball in his hands that's kind of the key right dribble 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 pull up and shoot move to the side in movement shoot and he can do it and he can drain those shots and that's a useful tool particularly in the playoffs because you have to account for a guy like that where teams don't account for Lonzo Ball because he's much more of a catch and shoot guy less so off the dribble I don't mind adding him because of that but he's he's not great defensively. Um you know, he doesn't do a ton of passing. He averages under 2 assists per game in Dallas. He doesn't give you much rebounding. It's really it. Like it's it's just elite shooting and kind of elite off the bounce shooting. It's useful Twenty million dollars for him—that might scare me. But could you get him for fifteen? Pair him alongside Lonzo Ball and just have an elite shooting backcourt, maybe. And maybe that's enough, particularly if you go with Point Zion and just use Tim Hardaway kind of not as a secondary ball handler, but a secondary shot getter, bucket getter, whatever words you want to use. He's a guy that could kind of fit that bill, I think, to a certain degree. Another name out there, kind of in the similar vein, and the last one we're going to talk about today: Norm Powell. Um, This is a guy that got traded from Toronto to the Portland Trailblazers last season. While with Portland and last year in general, he was a great three-point shooter for his career. He is a 38% shooter from three on decent volume, five, six attempts per game. Um, He's averaged last season 17 points per game. Um, Before he was traded from Toronto, he's averaging almost 20 points per game. He plays on the wing, so it's not a pure point guard. Um, You see him play shooting guard primarily, a little bit of point guard at times. He's played small forward before too, um, but he's primarily kind of out there on the wing, I think, for the most part. It's a useful player to have. He keeps the ball moving well. He can rebound well enough, but he also doesn't mind trying to kind of get downhill and score at the basket, and he's decent at doing that. He can get to the line um, probably better than any other guard we have on the roster here. Um, Getting to the line four times per game last season with Portland, that's really good, I think. That's a useful player to have to kind of take advantage of the fact that defenses are going to have the Pelicans in the bonus all the time. So you want to be going downhill, attacking the basket, trying to score and if you don't get fouled and go get the free throws and put fouls on the other team it works really well and so getting a guy like that I think would be great you get a double kind of boat there's a little bit of lanyap in this too this is a situation where you know he was kind of the big move that the uh Portland Trailblazers made this uh, uh during the season to kind of keep Damian Lillard happy and now you pull him away from there so you kind of Wreck some of the plans that they've had of building around Damian Lillard and make Damian Lillard wonder if this will even really work. And maybe he then does ask for a trade and tries to force his way out. You know, you sign him and you make Lillard upset. I don't I don't hate that plan, right? It's just kind of a little bit of bonus. Also, and don't forget before we we wrap up today's show campaign guy who really excelled Cameron Payne with the Phoenix Suns in the bubble at first and then last season all the way through the NBA finals being a key contributor for them if you give him an expanded role would he do well he started in place of Chris Paul he did an okay job of that you know he's been a little bit unproven at one point it was looking like he was going to be out of the league how comfortable are you giving him a more expanded role maybe a bunch of money but also I think you're going to see the Phoenix Suns really try and bring him back so we'll see those are some of the names that they might look to pair alongside Lonzo Ball. Plan C, if you will, if plan A of Lowry doesn't work, plan B of a signing trade for a more established point guard they like doesn't work. What do you end up doing? And I think those are some of the names they might look. But you can hear it. The Pelicans have so many different options on the direction that they want to go. It's going to be interesting. You're going to hear a lot of news. One thing I can say for certain, I didn't even get to this last week. I wanted to almost touch on it this week. I'm not worried about Brandon Ingram going anywhere from this team. I've seen the rumors about him going to the Miami Heat. I'm not worried about that. I don't really buy into that whatsoever. They're not going to trade. If they trade Brandon Ingram, it's going to be for the best player in the deal, not for like the third best player in the deal or something like that. So yeah, I don't think he would hate playing in Miami. I don't think any NBA player would hate playing in Miami, but I can tell you he's pretty happy here. I don't see anything like that that working out, and I think he fits well with Zion Williamson, as I've said, so I think we can kind of kill that idea that that might be in the works. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all very much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. If you listen once a week, listen twice a week, especially this week, because there's going to be so much news. We're going to break it all down for you here on Locked On Pelicans. So thank you all for listening, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.